for us, call it immigrants who, who didn't have many resources. We were taught by our upbringing that it wasn't about access to resources, it was about resourcefulness. Welcome everyone to Do Well and Do Good. You're here because you have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. I'm your host, Dorothy Ilson, and I'm here to help you discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Welcome back, everyone, and Happy New Year! I am so excited that you are spending this time with me as we close out 2018. I know that I am just so incredibly grateful for everything that's happened this year. Starting this podcast has been such a gift, and I really couldn't think of a better way to go into 2019 than with another episode with a truly inspirational guest. But before I introduce him, because this is the last day of the month and the last day of the year, that means that tomorrow on January 1st, we will be voting inside of the Do Well and Do Good Facebook group to determine which of the nonprofits nominated by my guests in December that I will then donate 10% of my advertising agency's profits to on behalf of the podcast. So definitely head into the group so that you can make sure and vote tomorrow. You can find that at dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook. There you'll find a link to join. And once you're inside, I'm also sharing tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact in 2019. So now today's guest is Harvey Penny. Harvey started his first business at 12 years old, mowing neighborhood lawns. And by 17, he had saved enough money to buy his first investment property. He then started his second business at 18, which he built into a large construction training and labor hire company. It was after that Harvey made a major shift going back to school to study accounting and ultimately co-founding Inspire CA, an accounting firm where for every dollar of tax they save their small business clients, they give a day's access to food, water, health, and sanitation to a family in need. Absolutely remarkable. Harvey is also a TEDx speaker, the co-author of Cashed Up, the seven-step method to pull more money, time, and happiness from your business. And he just launched a new podcast called Inspiring Businesses for Good, which you can find on iTunes and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Harvey, I'm so pumped to have you on the show today. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thanks for for that introduction. That's amazing. (laughs) You are amazing. I'm so excited to dive into your story. And, you know, I think it's really remarkable to hear about someone saving enough money to buy an investment property at just 17 years old. So tell me, Harvey, what was life like for you growing up? And how did you get that entrepreneurial bug? Well, for me, it all started, I grew up in a really poor part of New Zealand. And my mum was about 13 when she had my sister and 16 when she had me. And where we lived in New Zealand, you could only kind of identify as the hood, like it was a really poor socioeconomic area. And so we did what most New Zealanders did back then who who didn't have access to much money or opportunity. We moved to uh, Australia, which was, you know, in our perspective, the, the land of opportunity. And so 
here we are in Australia, it was 1988, we didn't have any money or, or education or, or family or, or connections. And so we all got into this thing called business, you know, years before, you know, Gary Vee made it cool and, and, and it's become the trend now, we, we did it because it was, you know, for our survival and being able to make ends meet and, and to be able to provide for the family. And so the culture I grew up in, in, in our household was one of nothing's going to land on your plate uh, you, you've got to go out there and, and make it happen. If, if you want to, to buy something, go, go knock on the door and, and add some value and, and see if you can earn some money. So I was grateful to be brought up in that, what we'd now identify as entrepreneurial environment back then. But, you know, for us, call it immigrants who, who didn't have many resources. You know, we, we were taught by our upbringing that it wasn't about access to resources. It was about resourcefulness. So that's where it all, all began. And so, you know, I started mowing lawns like um, you mentioned in that intro. And that led to, you know, r- running my own construction business. And um, in Australia, at least, the ultimate financial dream here is always about, you know, owning your own home. And mum and dad worked for a very long time to, to save up a lot to buy their own. And so as kind of being inspired by them or, or them setting the, the lead or the, or the tone that led me to, to go in and, and go for that same aspiration as well. At 17 though, I mean, that's unbelievable. Was that something that your family was encouraging you to do or, you know, how did you get the inspiration to do it at 17 instead of continuing to save? I was a bit of a weird kid, I suppose, as I was growing up where I was naturally drawn to reading a lot of the business books uh, and, and inspirational books that are common now, like, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was really popular. And, and I read, you know, a lot of his series and, and The Richest Man in Babylon. And so for whatever reason, I was attracted to these different mentors in my life. And so having been sort of immersed in their strategies and knowing at a very early age that business or, you know, adding value to somebody else and being rewarded financially for that could be really fun, you know, and that'd be a really cool vehicle to, you know, help accelerate some of my own personal goals, which in, in this case was to, uh, to, to buy my first place and, and now downstream was, is to help others and do some good as well. That's absolutely unbelievable. And so at 18, you started a new company. You know, what was the learning curve like for you? You know, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced in growing that company? How it all started was in Australia, it was very easy to get in to work in construction. And luckily, we get paid you know, quite well for labor type work because, frankly, many Australians don't want to be out there in the sun and, and be busy working. So I started my first business with a, a toolbox, a hammer and a belt, and I started building um, scaffolding. And I was only sort of 18, so a pretty young, young kid, effectively. Within time, I started getting my own crew or getting a few guys working with me, and we could then you know, be in a position to take on um, our, our own little projects. And so, you know, over five or six years that grew into, you know, owning you know, hundreds of tons worth of, of scaffold. And I think at our peak, we, we employed it just over 60 different people. And um, it was a training organization. But some of those early lessons that I learned was around being young and maybe even being the youngest person on, on a work site. And when, you know, somebody comes over, the builder comes over and says, oh, you know, who's the boss around here? All the men turn around and look at this kid in the corner who, you know, effectively you know, just looks like a laborer and, you know, I had to go and, and make direction. And so the thing I learned was that, especially in this day and age, um, you know, age is just a, a, a number. It really is a function of, you know, how much value we can add. And, and, and in value, there's, that's around leadership. It's around problem solving. Uh, it's around kind of having that tenacity to make things happen. So um, thankfully, you know, it only started off with, three or four guys in my crew and that 
gave me a platform to build my confidence. And as you kind of have more and more experience, that confidence grows, then you can start playing kind of bigger and, and bigger games. And that's how it ended up being, you know, where it was in the end, um, where I was able to sell that business and continue on that, the business journey. No, it's so true. I mean, I love how your focus is on providing value because at the end of the day, you know, any clients, any customers, all they care about is the result that they're getting. They don't care if you're 18 or 35, you know, as long as you are delivering on that result. So I think that that's such an important point and really the best way to, like you said, increase your confidence, you know, get the experiences to really be in the trenches doing it, running a business. So what was the process like for you? You said that you ended up selling that business. Is that right? The process went that uh, I effectively got a bit tired of working, you know, outdoors in hard work, you know, doing the manual labor. And I don't know if you've ever felt this, Dorothy, but if, when you're a, an entrepreneur or, or you're a bit of a game changer, sometimes you find that you just don't quite fit into the world. And I remember, you know, the thoughts, the aspirational thoughts and the big impact that I had envisaged in my head. And I looked around me and I was sitting in dirty, you know, lunch rooms and working with, you know, mud up to my arms and working harder. And I just had this realization that, man, you know, Harves, you could be doing so much more than, than this. And so I made the decision to switch gears and say, you know what, with, with respect, I'm not going to use my body to, to add value anymore. I'm going to use what I felt was my, my biggest asset then, which was my mind and these ability to have these ideas and, and act upon them. So with the history we had where we grew up with not much money, I decided that I was going to go to uni because that's how you, in Australia at least, effectively you know, build a business out of your mind. And um, so I was thinking, well, you know, we never had money when I was growing up and so I obviously want it now moving forward. It's a profession that I could choose that you know, would obviously solve the money challenge. And so you know, I was looking through lawyers and engineers and I thought, oh, accountants. <laughs> Um, accountants, they, they count people's money all day. They must have plenty of it themselves. And so you know, I decided to become an accountant and, and went to university and, and enrolled. Thankfully, I had sold my business, so I wasn't doing it through loans. It was just I'm there to learn and to get that result. And at the same time, I knew that there was you know, what you learn at school or at university and, and what is done in the real world. So I asked a friend of mine who owned an accounting firm at the time if I could work in his business for, for free and um, just so I could get an understanding of what, you know, the real world of accounting was actually like and maybe transfer some of those skills, textbook skills into real world skills. So I thought it was a pretty good proposition and, and he said no. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so you know, I tried and tried and, and pitched him and asked him and nudged him and bugged him for about three months and he, he effectively in a very kind way said no, you know, don't have any need, don't have the capacity and what have you and, in the end, uh, didn't take no for an answer. Said Tim, you know, congratulations. You've got this new guy starting on Monday. He's a really inspirational guy. All he needs to know is what the dress code is, and when he shows up on Monday at nine o'clock, he'll be ready and willing to do anything uh, that you ask. And you know, that young guy was me. I showed up on Monday. He had no choice but to do it, and so you know, I had my foot in the door in a real living and breathing firm, which was. Um, you know, an amazing experience because what I got to learn there was, you know, what, what actually happens, um, not just what was taught in lectures. And so what ended up happening is that myself and the CEO, the, the guy and friend who said yes, we ended up start starting a consulting business together. And so what we did is we took all that was working from his, you know, amazing accounting firm and started consulting to other accountants around Australia about 
how they could be doing more for their clients than just simply doing a tax or or, or, an IRS return and then saying goodbye, see you later. Uh, Rather than being reactive, we could really change people's lives. And so um, using the experience I had had in business um, previously and this desire to kind of make an impact, we ended up working with about 600 of the top accounting firms around Australia, helping them make a bigger impact uh, on their clients. And uh, yeah, it was an amazing experience to, to be able to, what I feel was, was kind of like my real world university to understand you know, the mechanics of business. He gave me the free reign, or, or maybe I took it, <laughs> to, you know, to drive sales, to, to do marketing, to, to build products and, and to make sure operations existed and, and to manage the finance function. So I'm grateful to him that I had this um, environment to, to really run my own business without the ultimate responsibility or ultimate risk of, of being a, a complete business owner at the time. So that's how it all panned out. I think the key in what you just said is right there at the beginning, how he was saying no to you over and over and over, but you just didn't take no for an answer. Like that is just such a classic entrepreneurial, you know, we we can't hear the word no. And yet so many people, you know, you hit that first wall of resistance and they just stop. And so I think there's a huge lesson to be taken from that for sure. So then how did you move from this consulting business to co-founding Inspire CA? And then was the giving back element there from the start or was that something that came later? Yeah, awesome question. Well, all of those roads that you mentioned around giving back and Inspire all sort of converged at, at this point. And so, you know, the guy who, who owns the accounting firm was very lucky that he ultimately said yes to me, although he had no choice because that consulting business and the accounting firm ended up getting listed on, on the stock exchange here in Australia because it became so valuable what, what we had created. You know, naturally, I got rewarded for the value that I had added throughout that process of building the business. Um, and it kind of got me, I don't know if you've ever been to this point, Dorothy, in life where you come to a crossroad where you've got a choice to either stay the course and you can kind of see the future. And in my case, it was fairly corporate environment. You know, obviously, you'd be fairly financially rewarded, but you know, it's the, the nine to five, the nice cars and, and gray hairs and big bellies. Or, or, you know, I had at the time this little itch to, to be honest, I was getting a bit tired of encouraging older accounting firms to do more for their clients. And I just wanted to jump fence and do it. And so one of the 600 accounting firms I worked with, this guy called me one day and said, look, um, I work in this big four accounting firm and I feel like a cognitive machine. And I've got this vision to start this accounting firm that really makes an impact and, and changes people's lives. And his name was Ben Walker, who is now my business partner. And the firm that he envisaged was one that's you know, now called Inspire. So I consulted to him to help him get Inspire off the ground. Uh, and about a year and a half later, you know, him and I maintained our friendship. Um, and when I had the opportunity to exit out of what was now a publicly listed company uh, and scratch that entrepreneurial itch, I, um, I knocked on Betty's door and said, bro, let, let's, you know, we share this vision that, that accountants change lives and can make an impact you know, let's do this together. So I gave him a proposition to, to buy half of Inspire. And um, yeah, together for the last three and a half years, we've, we've grown it to where it is today. And one of the sort of guiding values that kind of brought us together was we both had a common mentor whose name was Paul Dunn. And many of your listeners might know Paul. Um, he's the chairman of an amazing global giving initiative called Buy One, Give One or, or B1G1. Uh, have you heard of him, Dorothy? 
Yes. So Paul is actually episode 32 of the podcast. So anyone who wants to hear all about Paul's story, you can go back and check out that episode. Yeah. So, you know, he's quite a man uh, and he can inspire many people to, you know, think uh, and inspire them to play a bigger game. And so um, technically, uh, Paul was our common mentor. And so he helped us kind of connect the dots on on, um, the vision that we now have, which is to make Inspire to become Australia's most impactful accounting firm. And one of the impacts that we're most proud of having made is, is that to date we've practically saved our clients just over $7 million in tax uh, and counting, which is pretty cool, given that, you know, that they tell us they reinvest that back into growing their business and growing their family. Um, so that was already you know, one layer of impact. But through B1G1 and Paul Dunn's idea of integrating giving into our business, Ben and I wanted to find a, a really great kind of framework to not just give once off or as a, as a big check that we do at the end of the year and take a photo off. We, we wanted to find a way to really integrate giving so that every time we did business, some really cool stuff happened both, you know, across the room with the clients that we're advising and, and ultimately across the world through, through giving back. And so I was inspired by many brands. Um, one of my favorite ones that you and I would both know is Tom's. So Tom's have a great one-for-one program where for every pair of shoes you buy, they give a pair to a family in need. They've got Warby Parker as well. I think that's a big brand out of the States. The really cool, funky glasses. I wish we could buy here in Australia because it's so lovely. But, you know, for every pair of glasses you buy, they give a pair. Um, in Australia, we've got a, a brand called Zambreros, which is a Mexican joint. Delicious Mexican food. And they've got an initiative called Plate for Plate. And so for every you know, burrito you purchase, they give a meal to, to somebody in need. So, you know, there was all these brands that had these amazing one-for-one, you know, initiatives that really inspired me. I thought, man, I'd, I'd love to step up and be, you know, the first accounting firm in the world perhaps that had this one-for-one initiative. And so that's what inspired for us um, what you mentioned earlier on, what we call the, the day for a dollar campaign. And so w- what that states is that for every dollar of tax that we save a small business clients, we give a day's access to food, water, health, and sanitation to a family in need. So that was our call, sort of, if this, then that trigger. And, yeah, so I'm happy to say as of today, not only have we saved our clients just over $7 million in tax, which is a great thing, but thanks to our Day for a Dollar campaign, we've given just over 7 million days of, of access to life-changing help to, to help end global poverty, thanks to our partnership with B1G1, which is pretty cool. It, it's really remarkable. I mean, 7 million impacts is just absolutely massive. And I think it's so cool on your website for Inspire. I know you have this tracker basically that shows all of the different impacts and and things that this this money is going to. Could you share, you know, do you have any any favorites, any that have really touched your heart to give our our listeners kind of an understanding of what these impacts are? Yeah, definitely. Um, So there's so many out of of the 7 million. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. One of the ones that really resonated with me most and, and what I encourage anyone who's on the path of, you know, doing good and, and giving back is to, to get as close as you can to the impact. And what I mean by that is I had the privilege earlier this year to head to Cambodia, which is in Southeast Asia, to go see and visit some of the families who we'd been supporting with some of the water projects that are, exist on the B1G1 website. My connection to Cambodia is my, my future wife is Cambodian and her family escaped from there shortly after the Vietnam War and, and were refugees. And so 
she was the very first of, of her generation to ever go back. And I was, you know, at the helm of this amazing giving initiative. So we went to see, you know, some of these families. And um, Dorothy, I don't know if you're on B1G1, but any idea how much it costs to give somebody access to water for, for a day? I don't know. So it, it can start from as little as one cent, one US cent to give somebody access to water for a day, which is you know, pretty amazing. And, and that's kudos to, to Paul Dunn and the amazing team who, who put that platform together. And so you know, in business, when we're, we might be members of B1G, when we're giving back you know, $5, $10, $15 here and there, we think, oh, you know, this is nothing. And, and I felt that until I went to Cambodia, to Siamaria, and met some of the families for whom if we hadn't had this campaign in place and we didn't give access to the water, what of a difference it would have made for them. You know, how much harder their life would have been if, if that well wasn't there or what we were working on when we had the privilege of visiting was a water filtration system. It's really simple. Uh, hopefully we can post some photos up on the, the, the show notes, but a really simple concrete sort of drum and that had different layers of gravel that layered up to really fine sand. And so they'd pull wet water out of the well, but it, it isn't necessarily uh, healthy or, or sanitary for them to to drink from at that point. So we put it through the filtration system uh, and we set up one of these, uh, I think, in strategic points throughout each village and it meant anyone from the village could come and, you know, filter their water at any time, you know, at, at that particular filter and it meant, you know, they got uh, far better access to, to cleaner water. And so, you know, that was amazing to see and, and then you saw the water sources that they drank from before those filters existed and before the well was there. And you, you see this brown murky pond and you're like, you know, I wouldn't let my dog drink from that. And, and that was previously the water source where, you know, son, daughter, mum, dad, grandma, grandpa would, would be drinking from. So the thing that really resonated with me from that whole trip was that what we complain about in the Western world, in Australia and America, that the life that we complain about, that there's people in, in other lands that would literally kill to have the life that, that we complain about. Or, or, or all of a sudden, you know, my coffee that was burnt or that took longer than expected this morning, that's the biggest problem I have (laughs) in Australia. And that's really not that big compared to, you know, not being able to drink water for a day. Like this is crazy. In 2000, almost 2019, we're still talking about, you know, where where is somebody going to get some water? So yeah, amazing projects that that are available and out there to to support. But if you really want to, you know, get inspired by doing well by doing good, I encourage your best to try find a way to head over and see firsthand the impact that you make because it will really give you a new perspective on, on life and, and how much opportunity we all have to, to do more good. It's so true. It really is all perspective. I think it's so easy, just like you said, to get kind of bogged down in what we think are, you know, these massive problems we have in our lives, but, you know, really you know, every single one of us, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, it probably means you have a phone, which means you have access to, you know, just all of the the globe's information, communication with, you know, you and I are, I'm here in Chicago, you're in Australia, we're able to talk, have, you know, see each other on video. And that means that we're also able to get access to so many, you know, tools, resources, mentors to help us change our own lives and an up level to where we can, you know, turn around and and make massive impacts, you know, in the lives of other people who, you know, aren't as fortunate as us, you know, don't have the the many privileges that we do have, you know, in in countries like Australia and the US. I think that 
you know, one thing that I just absolutely loved as I was, you know, learning about you preparing for this podcast, your TEDx talk was called Be, Do, and Have Anything You Want. And that's actually a, a phrase, an expression that, that I used uh, in, in an episode just a few days ago. And, you know, I know that I absolutely believe that that is true. So could you talk about, you know, the basis of your TED Talk, you know, what do you mean when you say, you know, we really can be, do, and have anything we want? Wow, that's a, a small world with that, that common phrase. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I chose that, that title because I, I truly believe that that is the case. You, you can be, do, and have anything you want. And um, so, yeah, I had the privilege of, of speaking at, at TEDx almost eight years ago. So it was a very long time, well before a lot of the, the recent impact had happened. And I was able to share uh, in the TEDx talk uh, a framework based on, have you guys ever seen in the States, the, the New Zealand haka? Uh, it's a bit of a war dance that uh, some of the men do before a, a big war or in, in Australia, we, we play rugby league. And so they, they play, they, they do this war dance and it incites fear in, in the other side of the, uh, in, in the other team. And, and the idea of a haka, the war dance, is to hopefully intimidate the other side into not even entering into the war because that warrior looks so fierce that, you know, I'm not even going to bother, you know, going arm, arm to arm or sword to sword with him. Let's just, you know, run off and away from here. The, the words to that haka, the words to that war song, told a story about a, a warrior who, you know, had all the odds against him and was trying to, you know, do some things that were, were, were bigger than him. And so we went through to that in the 18 minutes of that TED Talk to sort of break down what was the experience of, of this particular warrior and, and what could we do to, you know, have that perspective and that, that fierce approach to how we, we live and approach our day. And um, what was pretty amazing is that at the end of the TED Talk, you, you can watch it, um, I managed to get everybody in the audience to, to get up in, uh, in their chairs and to do a big hucker and to, to do their own war dance and, and, and chant and it was really a, a, a metaphor for how we might be able to approach every day with this sense of fierceness, this, this sense of you know, invincibility, this sort of warrior-like approach to you know, we've got goals and we've got aspirations, we've got things that we want to achieve. We, we might need to be warriors in, in the way that we go about to you know, push through everything that stands in our way to, to achieve our goals. So, um, yeah, that, that's a gist. And um, yeah. if you have a listen, you might be able to get up and do your own uh, ward dance as well. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and I think you, you really do prove all of this with your story. I mean, coming from, you know, coming from nothing and, and building these businesses, you know, selling, selling your first business you started at 18, having your second business or your, I guess, third business you know, debut on the stock exchange. I mean, it's just absolutely remarkable. So thank you, Harvey, for everything that you've shared with us today. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. So I'd like to move into what I call the impact round. I'm going to ask you a series of short questions and I'd like for you to just respond with the first answer that pops into your head. You ready? Yeah, cool. Let's do it. Awesome. So first, who has been the most impactful person in your journey to do well and achieve financial success? Uh, I'd have to say uh, Daniel Flynn inspires me the most. Uh, he's the managing director and co-founder of a group in Australia called Thank You. They're a social enterprise where 100% of the profits from all of the products sold go to help end global poverty. If you, I'd love you to get him on the show, but if you link him up in the show notes, 
thank you as an organization and Daniel has really trailblazed, I believe, this path of how businesses can do well and, and do good. And if it weren't for his example of, of, of breaking the rules and, and setting the, the, the path, uh, I don't think Inspire would have done uh, as much that it has done. So if you're listening to this, Dan, I'm really grateful. You've, you've definitely inspired us. I love it. Then who has been the most impactful person in feeding your drive to do good and make an impact? I definitely have to say the other person who inspires me most is Paul Dunn. And if anyone has listened to the episode where you had interviewed him, what number was it again, Dorothy? Episode 32. I had a feeling you might say Paul for that question. So I'm glad you did. You know, do yourself a favor and listen to episode 32. And if you ever get the blessing of meeting Paul in real life, I don't actually know how old he is. Maybe 70, 80. He could even be 100. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) With respect, I say that because he's, you know, really the, the, the godfather, grandfather of the accounting industry, but the energy with which he shifts people's spirit, the, the enthusiasm with which he uh, is able to inspire others to do good. Um, my understanding is he travels close to a million miles per year around the world telling these stories and, and inspiring others to do well and do good. And so, you know, I actually have it written on my bucket list it is just to, in my, in my end, my legacy is to be like Paul, be, be the brown Paul Dunn. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he, he definitely... Brown Paul Dunn. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Then next, do you have any regular mindset or personal development practices? And if so, what does that look like? Yeah, I, I love this. What I found is I, I'm so much better at business-related rhythms and rituals and consistency than I am in personal life. And that's a real flaw of mine that I'm, I'm really trying to work on. But what I've been able to build as a rhythm for our team, um, are two rhythms that are, we live in and breathe by. The first one is every day at 7.47, which is the time that we start work as a team. We have a daily huddle and we, do, we cover three things together. What are you grateful for today? And it's going to be work-related. Uh, what are your top three priorities that, that would make today great? And do you need a hand or, or can you give a hand to somebody else? And so we cover these three things as a team. There's about 14 of us that inspire. They're timed. So you've got a minute to share those three things. And to take it to another level, we also stretch one part of the body while going through those three things for the minute. So somebody standing out there in the middle of the crew sharing their top three things, stretching one part of the body, maybe pulling their, their leg or their arm back and the whole team are sort of connected with them, mirroring that same movement. So that's a really great way to get us all kind of aligned and connected every day. Uh, and then every Friday we have a, a system called or a ritual called team. Thank you. Where the, the whole team gets together and we just for call it half an hour, 40 minutes. We just shout out what we're grateful for having seen each other uh, achieve throughout the week. And the idea is that, you know, we're super productive. We get a lot of stuff done here as a high performing team, but we'd never want to leave the week without, you know, taking a moment to acknowledge all things that we've, the impact that we've made, both big and small. So whether it's Gabby, who's taken out the, the, the trash, even though it wasn't her job to do so, um, or whether it was, you know, Riz who pulled an all-nighter just to get, you know, that client's work done. We're, we're acknowledging people uh, for all the things they do and all the impact they make, and everyone leaves that meeting with a real sense of fulfillment and gratitude for what, what they've done. That is amazing. Yeah, gratitude is without a doubt one of the most powerful tools that we have to bring more into our lives and just to generally, you know, get that 
it's so often I think we're chasing happiness. And what we don't realize is that happiness is available to us at any moment we choose. Mm-hmm. And you know, so much of it is just being grateful for the things that we have. You know, being grateful for the phone you're listening to this podcast on, the headphones in your ear. You know, if you're taking the trash out, like you mentioned, you know, be grateful that we have, you know, sanitation companies that come pick up our trash. You know, just the the smallest things, you know, grateful for, you know, our our hearing to be able to listen to these words, like just everything in our lives, you know, there's so much that we have to be grateful for. And even if, you know, we might want certain things to be better or to be different, if we can focus on the gratitude that we have for what is in our lives right now, then that is how we can start to, you know, attract more in. Do you agree? That's beautiful. Yeah. I want to thank you for that acknowledgement. Just beautiful. Need to hang around people who are more grateful in their life because it just, just adds so much value and it multiplies all, all good things around us. So thank you. <laughs> Completely. And Harvey, what book do you find yourself recommending to people most often? I'd have to say, after my own, Cash Up, um, would be the book that Daniel Flynn wrote. I'm sure you can find online um, called Chapter One. In fact, I encourage you to download it on audiobook because you can have Dan kind of read it to you. The, the subtitle of the book is You Have the Power to Change Stuff. And he gives this amazing recollection of, of how they're built thank you and the impactful organization it is, but it's an amazing resource for anyone who, like yourself, Dorothy, and many of the listeners who are out in the world trying to change stuff and, and make the world you know, better or, or leave it in a better position than, than when we first found it. So I really highly recommend downloading and listening to Chapter One by Daniel Flynn. Awesome. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. And then the final impact round question, Harvey, what is the best piece of advice related to happiness that you would give our listeners? I definitely have to say it's around this idea of, of family first. So you know, we're numbers people as accountants and we believe that family is number one. And you know, I work with business owners all the time, helping them to get cashed up and we, we have this idea of success being measured in Freedom Day. So a Freedom Day being a day we can do what you want, with whom you want, when you want. And I always ask people, so if you had more freedom in your life, you had one of these Freedom Days where you had that ability to do those things, now, what would you do? And, you know, commonly people would think, oh, yeah, cash up, I'm going to buy a Mercedes, I'm going to fly private jets or first class. And, you know, nine times out of ten, that's never the answer. Most people say, you know, what I'd do, I'd go take the kids out of school, we'd go to the beach, we'd stay, you know, camping for a long weekend, we'd play cards, we'd play board games, you know, reach out to my mum if I hadn't seen her for a while or I'd go pick up my grandma and and spend some time. And so for me, you know, family is number one and and that's the true source of my real happiness. And if, if that isn't resolved or if that isn't addressed, first, then are really not in the best possible position to, to do well and do good for others because that, that first priority and value hasn't been resolved. So I'd definitely say put your family first. I couldn't agree more. Awesome, Harvey. Well, then, as you know, here on the show, we have what I like to call the do well and do good challenge. So this is where I encourage our listeners who want to give back to contribute to the nonprofits that are nominated by our guests. Could you tell us what organization that you're nominating and why it's so meaningful to you? Yeah. So there's an amazing organization called the Fred Hollows um, organization. There's, there's a few, but I'll link it through um, to the show notes. Um, they give people um, the gift of sight. 
and especially those who, who are born in, into poor environments. I was born half blind and into a, a poor family. And so, you know, I'd give anything to have my sight back. And I went to in- Indonesia once and saw the operations that they removed cataracts and effectively made blind people be able to see. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, th- this is life changing. And it, it cost us $50 to give somebody that gift of, of sight. So if you're in the interest of, of changing somebody's life for as little as, you know, what you and I might have uh, for a nice meal with, with you and your partner, uh, I def- definitely recommend giving back through, through that organization. Amazing. That is such a great one. I love that. So then anyone who is listening to this, check out the show notes. We'll link to that organization. We'll also link to inspire.business. That's where you can find out all about Harvey's business, you can, uh, I assume, can they get cashed up there? Is there a link to cashed up on that site? Yeah, and you can find it on Amazon as well. Awesome. And then Harvey, anywhere else that our listeners should go to connect with you and follow your content? Yeah, I'd say um, inspire.business slash Harvey, H-A-R-V-E-E. You could um, get in contact with me and I'd love anybody to share with me their own inspiring journey around how they're they're doing well and giving back and becoming a business for good because... You know, my vision is that if the whole world was full of businesses that did well and did good, then you know, the world would be a far better place. And that's the one I'd love to live in. So um, let's stay together and help each other out on this journey. Amazing. And once you're done listening to this episode, head straight over to Inspiring Businesses for Good wherever you listen to podcasts and check out Harvey's new show. Harvey, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been such an honor to have you. Cheers, Dorothy. I really appreciate it. Keep on inspiring. All right, everyone, that's our show. Now, before I sign off, I want to introduce any new listeners to how the Do Well and Do Good Challenge works. There are two ways that you can participate. The first is if you are looking to do more to give back, I encourage you to contribute to any of the nonprofits nominated by my guests. Send a screenshot of your receipt to challenge at dowellanddogood.co and your donation will be included in our monthly tally of the tangible impact this podcast is having. The second way you can participate is absolutely free, and that's by voting. See, in the first couple days of each month, we host a vote inside of our free Facebook community to determine which of the nonprofits nominated the month before that I will then donate a portion of my advertising agency's profits to. It's an awesome way to make your voice heard, and we've been able to raise money for some incredible organizations doing good in the world. So if you'd like to be a part of it, then head over to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, where you'll find a link to join the group. Once you're inside, I'm also sharing tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact. We're having so much fun inside there. So head over again to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, and I'll see you on the inside. It means the world to me to earn your time. So thank you so much for listening.